And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a fantastic week. Um, great show today. I was joined by my friend Drew Holden. It's always a great time talking to Drew. Today was no different. Um, we covered a lot. <laughs> we talked about uh, the the gaslighting from the press uh, in, in regards to uh, policy on, on the southern border. We talked about Liz Cheney's ridiculous remarks um, concerning the, the wars in the Middle East. We talked about Dr. Fauci telling us that we can never uh, leave our houses or experience joy ever again, <laughs> even after we've been vaccinated, and uh, what we should be doing uh, moving forward on that. We, we covered a lot. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, guys, before I get to Drew, I want to say hi to our new sponsors over at Bulk Munitions. I'm so excited to work with these guys. Um, you've heard me complain on this podcast. We've all been complaining for years about the ammo shortages. You can't find anything anywhere. Um, and that is just not the case because bulk munitions has you covered. I'm constantly looking for nine millimeter. I'm constantly looking for two, two, three or five, five, six. Bulk Munitions has a wide selection of 9, 223, 556, and more in stock and ready to ship quick. They've also got anything you need, really. 40, 45, 308, 38 special, 12 gauge, 380, 357, 22, whatever you need, they have in stock right now at bulkmunitions.com. No back orders, and they don't sell it unless they have it in stock ready to ship. All orders ship within two business days. No more waiting around. And I always enjoy working with companies that share the values that I put forth every Monday and Wednesday on this podcast. And bulk munitions certainly uh, fit that description. Um, these folks started the company because while there are other uh, decent online ammo retailers, those companies are looking out for their own interest. These guys want their work to serve a higher purpose. That is why they give uh, at least a minimum of 10% of their profits to Christian-based and Second Amendment-supporting nonprofits. Um, they call it the Ammo Tithe, which is pretty awesome. Um, and if that's not great enough, Bulk Munitions is offering this audience a limited-time offer. Uh, the first 25 people to use the promo code TNGP21 will receive a free Blackhawk magazine case of your choice, either a soft-sided case for pistol mags or a hard-sided case for AR-15 mags. Um, that comes absolutely absolutely free. Uh, once again, using the promo code TNGP21 on any purchase over $100. Um, and you can go to bulkmunitions.com slash TNGP to see this special offer. Once again, bulkmunitions.com slash TNGP. Use the promo code TNGP21. Stock up your ammo box and get that free Blackhawk mag on the house. And guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, make sure to subscribe. Uh, once again, new episodes every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Set your, set your watch by it. Um, and if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved with the show, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Podcast. All right. Without further ado, the great Drew Holton. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Drew Holton. Drew, how you doing? Brady, man, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I am very excited that we seem to become the end of this pandemic thing, which is wonderful. And I think all in all, I'm in good spirits. Well, uh, that can't last. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. I, I am foolhardily in good spirits, I should say. Right, right. Since you're in good spirits, let's just ruin that and jump right into the news <laughs> of the day. <laughs> this is a political talk show, as it were. But uh, look, 
we have a ton to get to. This probably isn't the most important topic, but I just I have to as a libertarian, I have to start here. <laughs> and this is this is one of the areas that you and I do find a lot of common ground. Um, mm-hmm. I have to start with Liz Cheney's comments uh, yesterday. The, uh, the yes. congresswoman from Wyoming. Uh she, she, I forget where she was speaking. I should, uh, I should know that. <laughs> Super professional this morning, but uh, that she, she mentioned that isolationists in the United States right now are the same as isolationists in 1940, yeah. <laughs> after Hitler invaded Poland. So yes, waiting, you know, wanting to end our 20-year war in Afghanistan means you are just like a Nazi apologist in 1940. Brilliant stuff. Not, yeah. not psychopathic at all from Liz Cheney. Yeah. Exactly. And listen, she's doing the same thing that you and I and plenty of other people frequently criticize Democrats of doing all the time. Right. It's, oh, no, the people I don't like are Hitler. Everything is Hitler. Everything I everything that could possibly be bad is Hitler. And in this case, it's just like that. That sort of spirit is always bad and silly, I think, in my book and I'm sure in yours, too. But does she know anything about the year 1940 (laughs) or like the year 1939 or any of that? Like, is all of that lost on her? I mean, we've been at war in Afghanistan for 20 years, right? I'm just going to focus on Afghanistan because it's the most blatant example. Sure. But it's like, do these people hear themselves? Like, if you don't want to waste any more blood and treasure mm-hmm. in Afghanistan, you're a Nazi. Like, mm-hmm. that, that's the best that this woman can come up with. Like, if it bothers you that we bombed a Doctors Without Borders hospital. Totally. If it, if it bothers you that we bombed a wedding in Yemen. If it, yep. if it bothers you that Libya is a failed state, ISIS took over half of Syria, then you're just like the people that didn't want to fight Hitler. You know, because like exactly. Bashir al-Assad, Muammar Gaddafi, Saddam Hussein, they were exactly like Hitler. They totally had ambitions of world domination. It's like, what? Yeah. Like, what it's, are you right. talking it's, about? It's it's absurd. And again, like, I think one of the richest parts to me is just the timing, right? Like, I'm, I, I think probably, an, uh, I'm obviously slightly more interventionist than you and probably every libertarian ever. But like, just a quick, if you'll, if you'll permit me, a quick trip down memory lane for what 1939 and 1940 were like, right? So you mentioned that Germany invaded Poland, September of 1939. So in Liz Cheney's 1940, Nazi Germany has invaded Poland. Shortly thereafter, the Soviet Union also invaded Poland. We're in September. Warsaw has fallen to the Nazis. And by December, the UK is at war in the ocean, live shots with Germany, our closest ally, right? Our, right. our, our special relationship ally, ally before the ball, the, the figurative ball drops on 1940, all of those things are happening. There is no way you can look at the world that we're currently living in, which has its problems, has its concerns, the rise of China, the Russians, there are plenty of concerns out there, but the idea that it comes anything close to that it is so remarkably disconnected from reality. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. And, and like, the thing is, I'm not even necessarily, uh, complete isolationist like yeah. I, I i'm not against using the military to protect our allies and to protect our interests and stuff like that but it's like i, I mean I, these people like government is a blunt instrument and politicians are the dumbest people in the country who are incapable yeah. of nuance but like i however am not an idiot so like <laughs> i i think we can walk and chew gum at the same time like we can remain the most powerful country on earth and stop china and russia from achieving right. their goals and also not fight never-ending wars for absolutely no reason. Like, it, it's, a, it's a bizarre yes. thing, man. Like, I'll never be one of these isolationists that's like, ah, just let China run rampant over the world. <laughs> like, come on. Totally. Like, that's insane. But it's like, why? Why why does Liz Cheney, why can't they let Afghanistan go? Like, it's, yeah. it's the most bizarre thing. Like, just Afghanistan. 
right? right. Like, and, and, and what's what's the benefit, right? Like if everything happens, this is what gets me too, is if everything were to happen perfectly from here on out in Afghanistan, safe to say that that hasn't been the case and <laughs> surely would not be the case as um, the entire history of the country of Afghanistan has, has shown. But if everything happened perfectly, what would we get? And if everything went disastrously poorly, what is the worst that could happen? And the idea that the, those range of outcomes are somewhere between, like that anywhere within those outcomes is something morally akin to a unified Europe under Hitler's rule or <laughs> saving Europe is preposterous. Preposterous. It's, it's, the, it's ridiculous. The worst and best case scenario in Afghanistan, like whether we send 100,000 troops there right now or mm -hmm. we pull all of our troops out, the same exact thing is going to happen, and that will be Afghanistan will look exactly how Afghanistan's looked for the last thousand years. Like that's yeah. like that is the range of outcomes on both sides. Like, yeah, when I exactly. say a meaningless war, I mean literally meaningless. Like nobody has been able to civilize Afghanistan ever. Okay, like nobody nobody's been able to conquer Afghanistan. Going back to Genghis yeah. Khan, going back to I mean a, a Muslim dictatorship like the Ottoman Empire couldn't tame Afghanistan, right? Like it's just not going to happen. And I know I've mentioned this before, and you know my audience probably hates that I bring this up over and over, but. Zbigniew Brzezinski, Jimmy Carter's national security advisor and Mika Brzezinski's father, oddly enough, uh, bragged <laughs> that the administration, the Carter administration, tricked the Soviet Union into invading Afghanistan because, quote, we wanted to give them their own Vietnam. Okay, they yep. knew that a war in Afghanistan was unwinnable, and they knew that it would damage uh, the Soviet's economy and military. Sound familiar? Yeah, I mean, yeah exactly, right? <laughs> like, huh, has that happened to anyone else ever? who has decided it would make sense to invade Afghanistan. I don't know. It's it's wild, man. And like before we move on, I just have to I have to mention, you know, with with what Zbigniew Brzezinski said, um, super hard name to pronounce by the way. Always... Yeah, dude, congrats on, on <laughs> nailing that each time. I, I, I think like, I nailed it twice mind. in a row. Wow, yeah. that's never happened before. I would never. I but would like never. this is why I could never be a politician. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I, I mean, it's just because, like obviously I'm I'm a devout Christian. My 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 faith shapes my political opinions on, on everything and I, I believe what i believe on foreign policy because i'm a christian and that's why like i could i could never do what that guy did i could never do what what jimmy carter did because like we baited the soviets into invading afghanistan without a single second of thought about the afghani people yeah I mean, like it's like right. okay well let's bait them let's drag them into this war it'll help us win the cold war screw the afghanis screw those women and children that are gonna be slaughtered on mass you know it's like yeah. I, I just, it, man, this, this kind of stuff, politics really just rots your soul. Yeah. You know, like, I, yeah, I could never, true. I can't put myself in Brzezinski's position. Like, I, I, my brain won't allow me to go there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I hear you. And, and listen, yeah, like, and, you know, I, in Afghanistan, I think it's what, between Iraq and Afghanistan, there's been something like a million civilian deaths. Yeah. Right? Which is just an act. Like, it is, it, it's a not, difficult Not just in the wars. Like, around. about about half of those deaths were in the, uh, uh, because of the blockades in the 90s. Sure, um, yeah. For the, so it wasn't just bombs killing all those people, but the, the Clinton blockade starved, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people as well. Right, right. And it's, but it's just, like, that that toll is so high. Yeah. When you even before you think about the the, the toll on, on blood and treasure of the United States, that toll just in and of itself is so unbelievably high that the idea of, of tossing it around like it means nothing, yeah. like it's it, like it's it's morally demented in a yeah. way that even in politics I think is rare in terms of the way that we talk about war. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I I get half the criticism I get on this podcast is from throwing around the word evil too flippantly. But uh, I'm not going <laughs> to stop. That. I'm not going to stop when it comes to this stuff because I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, imagine that number of civilian deaths in the first world. Yep. I mean, what if that were Canada? What would be saying or England? Or, you know, it's like it would be unimaginable. Exactly. It would be unimaginable. Yeah. We blockade a, a first world country and starve 100,000 of their children to death in the yeah. 90s. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and that's the other imagine? thing too is that like it's like obviously morality like the way that we view morality I think rightly has to evolve over time, right? But in like this is in living memory, not just living yeah. memory. Like this is like there are people who you know who were were born since this started who are now eligible to serve, right? This is just in the last twenty years that we're talking about for when these sorts of things happen, and they are they're vile, they're terrible, and yeah. it's the it's the sort of barbarism that we would probably have come to expect in the, in the 16 or 1700s. Why, uh, why is this opinion, the Liz Cheney opinion, it, it is rampant and on both sides. I mean, it's not a Dem- Democrat Republican thing. It's probably half of all elected officials in the country right now. Believe how Liz Cheney believes. How is that an accepted position in 2020? I don't know. That's a great question. And I'll be honest, I think it's probably more than half, right? Like yeah, I think that probably, I think that the general, and for me, I think that the most the most frightening thing is it is the um, like the intransient consensus is that these things are, are fine and justified and whatever. And it doesn't it doesn't enter the mind of so many of these people. Um, and, and that's what I think frightens me is that there's like you would think someone would look at those numbers and scream and think, my God, like we need to if nothing else, we need to have this enter into our equation for the way we think about this thing as an operation. And I just don't I, I don't think that I believe that that's true. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you have issues with uh, with Rand Paul, senator from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. But like I, I do kind of view these these issues um, as more of an IQ test than anything else. And like I, I've always appreciated Rand Paul when he's questioning a nominee from either party, um, you know, to either uh, take a position in the Defense Department or the State Department or, you know, NSA, something like that, uh, you know, U.N. ambassador, something like that. Um, he'll just ask him one question. Do you believe the war in Iraq was a mistake? Yes or no. And just, yeah. want, just wants to get a yes or no. And if they say no, then, well, okay, well, why? You were unqualified to work in yeah. the State Department or the Department of Defense. I mean, you just, you, uh, if you were allergic, if you were viscerally allergic to learning lessons from history, right? you have no place in you know, working in government exactly, at all, because, on uh, any level. Because eventually, eventually all of the drums are going to beat for war on something like this, right? Like maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's invading, you know, Iran or China or some other country at some point in the future. And if you can't for a second think, huh, how did this, how did this work the last time we thought about it? Right. This is, this is why I, I, I think my, my least favorite people who, who pretend to be conservative are, are like the max boot types who are still trying <laughs> oh, to gosh, backwards yeah. justify something like the Iraq war, yeah. because these are the sorts of people and that sort of mentality is, I think, pretty common on the Hill. It's pretty common in the State Department. It's certainly pretty common in the Pentagon. And if that's your general viewpoint, if the idea that these sorts of things are like, eh, this isn't really a big enough moral weight to factor into this equation, then when this comes along again, you're going to use the same calculus. You're going to arrive at the same result. It's, well, American power projection around the world is very important, right? Like it's, it's the, that sort of framing and mentality that is just going to keep us tripping into these sorts of things in the future. Do we just need new people? Do we just need new blood? Yeah. I mean, it's like the uh, the um, the sec- uh, Joe Biden's, I don't know if he's confirmed. <clears throat> I don't think he's confirmed yet. But the uh, 
the next Secretary of Defense. Um, what what board was he on until five seconds Raytheon. ago? Raytheon. Raytheon. He was on the board of Raytheon. I didn't know if it was like Northrop Grumman or, or Raytheon. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Raytheon. It's like, come on. Are we... Are we and all of really? these people cycle <laughs> in and out, right? Like all of them do. And so, yeah, I mean, listen, I think some of it's probably new people, but I think some of it too is that the... the when it comes to American foreign policy consensus, I think there is actually a huge ability for elected officials to lead from the top, right? I think we've seen throughout American history that different presidents um, and, and different Congresses have changed pretty mean, like like FDR changed the entire course of American foreign policy. And so I think that some of it is just that top-down leadership. And then you got to hope at some point that that filters its way to like, I don't know, Georgetown School of Foreign Affairs or wherever all of these people are educated right. so that so that one day when they get in office, that just the, the way that they're thinking about and framing these decisions is different. Um, but I, I, I think it's, I, I think that the problem is if we replace those people, we just get other people with the same mentality. Like there's always a new crop of like first year people at the State Department who have bad ideas about this stuff. It's madness. It's madness. Yeah. And we'll, we'll move on to the next topic. But you know, obviously every listener to the show here's as part of my intro, Ike Eisenhower. <laughs> every, yeah. Every yeah. Monday and Wednesday in the councils of government, we must bar- guard against. Uh, unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought by the military industrial complex. And he was obviously right there. Yes. Um, so, Drew, yeah. moving on. Um, <laughs> there are so many kids in cages on our southern border right now. I mean, I'm talking like all the kids. So many. Ki- Joe Biden filled all the kid cages. So he's been shoving them in shipping containers now. I mean, really racist stuff from the Biden administration. I've yeah. been told. So, so right, let's, check, exactly. let's check in uh, with the corporate press. Here's from the here's the headline from the Washington Post yesterday. "Quote: First migrant facility for children opens under Biden." <laughs> migrant. It's like the Winnie the Pooh meme with like the normal yeah. Winnie the Pooh kids in cages, yes. and then the one with the tuxedo and the monocle. Migrant facility for children. It's just amazing stuff. Yeah, and uh, like, what did they expect would happen? Right. There's I, I remember when Biden and, and Harris were campaigning, they kept coming back to this point of we're going to have a, we're going to have a more ethical way to address everything. And listen, I, I was no <laughs> yeah. fan. I, I was yeah. no fan of the way that, that Trump approached immigration. And I, I think I was, I was pretty, uh, pretty loud about that for a long time. But at the end of the day, there are truly intractable problems when it comes to the American system of immigration and asylum seeking. Like these are big challenging, overarching problems. There's no, there's no, there's no um, flip to switch here on any of this stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, we're two months in and all of a sudden, all of the bad things, all of the suffering, all the harm at our borders is, is just completely forgotten about. We get no crying Ocasio-Cortezes. We get nothing. <laughs> I don't know. Who was it on Twitter this morning? Was it, uh, what, it was probably somebody like Jesse Kelly or somebody like that. Who is uh? Who said AOC's response was a far cry from uh, her response when uh, when Trump was yeah. doing this? <laughs> yeah, she's like, this is always unacceptable, and it's like, okay, like we're back to the normal rhetoric. <laughs> like, and like, listen, like I think part of it is these issues are way easier to mobilize people around when you have a bad guy, right? The real issue here is the system. We don't have a good way of one protecting our southern border, two. Um, parsing and deciding what to do with the people who come here for lots and lots of complicated policy issues that are going to take lots and lots of time. Of course. Hopefully one day to unravel. That's but the, the thing though, that's not that's not sexy, right? Like you right. can't get people outraged about those sorts right. of things. The thing is, like, and it kind of goes back to tying it into the foreign policy conversation we just had. Like, both sides are at war with reality itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in yes. terms of immigration, like there will always be 
immigration issues. Okay, like right. you can never just open your borders and let. Every, I mean, I'm not even talking about the United States. I'm talking about every country that's totally. ever existed in the history of humanity, in the history of the nation state. Okay. Yep. Nobody's ever solved the immigration issue. Okay. Like it's. I don't know. I mean, you could say like if you're somebody that wants absolutely no immigration at all, you can point to like Australia, but they're an island in the middle of nowhere right, okay? right. with a population of nothing. So it's yeah. pretty easy to police your borders. But like, you know, there's no wall high enough to keep, un, you know, illegal aliens out, at least right. keep all of them out. And there's no way to just open your borders and let everyone in because that would be a complete disaster. So it's like, I mean, look. Sure, I wish I could alter reality itself and fix the issue on the border, but it's exactly. just not like we're always going to wrestle with this back and forth right. forever. Like, I just don't, I mean, there are obviously common sense things like e-verify and, you know, like making right. sure that we do have secure enough borders that people can't just waltz in, you know, willy-nilly. We know who's coming in. We know if they're criminals, stuff like that. You know, we can yeah. expedite the process of, of deporting people who break the law, things like that. But like, Come on. Like these people are at war with reality right now. Exactly. And and it, that's not politically expedient, no. right? Like No, it's build like, a 40-foot like, wall or let them all in. Ex- okay, those exactly. are both insane. Like what what right. are we doing? Disconnected from reality. Like not only can't happen but won't happen, right? And so like we end up just torching strawmen on both sides on the immigration issue and we end up with like this crazy seesaw and like listen, I get it. Like that some of that is just is just policy. But what really kills me is how do we and I use the royal we here to talk about like the chattering class in the media. How do we talk about these sorts of issues and problems? And it's become super, super abundantly clear that the way we talk about the systemic entrenched problem of how to have a just and humane immigration system is something that we talk about one way when it's a Republican in charge and a totally different way as soon as a Democrat gets in office, even if nothing else changes. Like, truly, if nothing, like, like deportations are still taking place under Biden, right? There, there are still kids in whatever, be it cages or storage facilities or whatever you want to call them on the border. All of these sorts of things are still happening, but the rhetoric has flipped like a switch overnight, <laughs> which is like, it's, it's gaslighting. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's insane. And obviously, there's nothing like it, it, it's not like the Biden administration has a choice. But to, I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? You let unaccompanied 12 year olds cross the border into like the Texas Badlands and starve to death? Like, is that yeah. what you want? Like, is exactly. that what AOC wants? Like, that's madness. That would be exactly. inhumane. That would be ridiculous. And like, you know, <laughs> about, about them being at. You know, Going back to Afghanistan, sorry, I'll get off Afghanistan in just a second, but it's like, <laughs> there's a lot of parallels to immigration, I think, and I've had debates with people that, like, early on in the podcast, we're talking, like, four years ago or so, I think yeah. most people, at least most people that are willing to come on this podcast, <laughs> admit that, <laughs> that the war in Afghanistan was a mistake now, but I've had, like, not debate debates, but, like, disagreements on Afghanistan with people on this podcast, and it's always, like, you know, they're they're like, well, you know, I don't know, Osama bin Laden used Afghanistan to train al-Qaeda fighters and stuff. It's like, yeah, okay, yep. He's like, well, if we pull everybody out, that's going to happen again. I'm like, well, that's happening now. It's right. going to happen again. And there's nothing you can do about that one way or the other. But yeah, but, well, we we have to change that. I'm like, well, you're not going to. Like, I'm not yeah. saying, like, I wish I could alter reality. Yep. But I'm not God, so I can't. So I'm not yep. telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen. I'm, t- I'm telling you that right. you can't stop terrorists from training people in Afghanistan. You can't get rid of the Taliban because the Taliban isn't Al-Qaeda. They're not like people 
you know, with beards down to the floor and stuff like that. They're senators and doctors and lawyers. They're deeply embedded into Afghani society. They control half or over half the Afghani government. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what will happen. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just telling you reality exists. And on immigration, it's the same issue. It's yep. like, it's uh, these totally people, agree. it's not about what would happen in a utopian world. It's look at the facts on the ground. What can we do about it pragmatically and practically right now? Yeah, exactly. And and what kills me too, in a similar way to Afghanistan is the people who get caught or who get dropped from the conversation as soon as the political tide shift are the people who are at the border, right? Like, yeah. not like, and that, that goes one for sure for, for Americans on the other side, but all of a sudden, all of the, you know, the, the left-wing folks, the Dems, the media, who cared deeply, deeply, we were told, about the plight of people, particularly children at the border, all of a sudden have lost interest. And they're losing interest while, when there are more of them who are going, right? Because of plenty of complicated incentives, having a Democrat in office is a much easier time to try and get into the country illegally or to seek asylum in the United States than it is under a Republican. And so people are responding to that incentive in droves. This always happens. And despite the fact that there are more people who are suffering, the rhetoric dis is completely detached from that. There's a new, like, we're, we're onto the Green New Deal or blowing up the filibuster or whatever, whatever the newest thing on the block is. And all of these kids in metaphorical or literal cages on the border are the ones who get dropped from the conversation as soon as they can't be used as a political cudgel yeah. against somebody's opponents. Yeah, and it's sick. I mean, it's inhuman. I mean, you're not even thinking about these children. You're not thinking about these families at all. And then also, why doesn't federalism exist when it comes to, to border policy? I mean, I, I don't understand. I mean, it seems completely insane to me. I mean, like, by executive order, day one, uh, when Joe Biden took office, he, he issued by executive order that 30,000 migrants who are being detained in Mexico be released into the United States, about 10,000 into uh, San Diego, California, and 20,000 in El Paso, Texas. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you're the mayor of San Diego or El Paso, <laughs> you're just like, yeah. what? Like, you're like, I, all right. I mean, maybe there's nothing I can do. Maybe you wanted that. Maybe you didn't. What if you're a city council member in one of those cities? What if you're a yeah. governor of one of those states? Like, I, They just, by executive fiat, are releasing 20,000 migrants into El Paso? It's like, how That's about the people, question. how about the voters in El Paso? Like, do they get a say in anything? Right. Like, it's so yeah, bizarre. Yeah, somebody tells me this one wasn't on the ballot in 2020. No, I, I, <laughs> I don't know? think so, yeah. Yeah, God, and like, I, it's, it's, it's just interesting, too, the way that we, like, all of those issues get dropped from the discussion. All of a sudden, like, now we want to have the conversation about how complicated all of this stuff is, right, and how difficult the policy is. The Washington Post, in, in their, their story with a really bad headline, they had an immigration advocate who said that, well, you know, this isn't as bad as, as the kids in cages stuff under, under Trump, <laughs> because this is, and I'm quoting now, that this facility is the, quote, Cadillac of cages the, <laughs> you know, of, of, of yeah of cages of housing facilities <laughs> and I remember I read that uh, and I was like wow this is <laughs> this this is a, a morally complicated point to be making here that like yeah well you know now it's different because xyz and listen is it probably different like are, are the conditions probably better than some of what we we've saw under Obama and then under Trump sure I'm willing to bet that they are like if that's if, if we've know? gone from but if we've gone from a crusade about how unethical immigration is to at least they're in the Cadillac of detention camps. <laughs> like if we if we flipped that uh, switch overnight, like that is that is a, a pretty remarkable change in tone that we just sleptwalked through. Yeah, I mean, it's almost, you know, I'm not I'm not surprised by anything anymore, but like it is almost surprising that an adult would say that sentence out loud. You know what I mean? It is. It's really bizarre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. 
it's devoid from reality. It's uh, it's gaslighting by the press, of course, like you mentioned. Um, one yep. more, one more topic we have to hit. I know we're running out of time, but um, <laughs> I, I I wanted to. This was you know a little old news, but uh, you know I only have limited time every Monday and Wednesday, so we got to hit it. Anthony Fauci said over the weekend um, that even after you're vaccinated, you can no longer go outside without a mask. You can't see your family. You can't eat at restaurants or go to movies or be human or experience joy or have opinions or complain <laughs> about being a slave to the state. Obey, peasant. Right. I might be paraphrasing a little bit, but that's the general <laughs> message coming out of the Biden White House. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, this does two things, both of them particularly bad. Um, one, and I think when you know we, you and I talk a lot about incentives, like if I'm a normal person, I've got no interest in politics. All I'm doing is listening to what Fauci says about this virus thing. I would look at that and be like, oh, shit, the last thing I want to do is waste my time going and get that vaccine. Like nothing about my life is going to change. Um and that's bad, right? That will that will without question lead to lower vaccination rates. And then two, and I think this is probably the thing that I find more insulting is it just it's entirely disconnected from reality, right? Like, and if we're messaging in a way that is disconnected from reality, that's bad. Like, you want to know why so many people don't trust Fauci and don't trust the CDC and don't trust whatever the Biden White House is going to say about the vaccines? It's because they think that they are like normal people look at this and say they're gaming me. They are looking at me as someone they need to. They need to like control or operate in a way that is consistent with whatever their ends are. And that's like the, the American people aren't really good at that. And um, unfortunately, I think, as you and I have discussed, we're better at that than you and I would like. Uh, and what I think a lot of people, particularly conservatives, would hope. But there's only so much that we're going to be able to tolerate with that without looking at our, our authorities and saying, eh, I'm not sure I buy this. Yeah, I mean, this this only ends the COVID-19 pandemic only ends when the American people decide it does. Right. Um, because, I mean, politicians don't give up power yeah Uh, i mean i was i was thinking about this this morning and the only examples in american history i can think of politicians you know actively giving up their own power reducing their own authorities george washington obviously by he could become king if he wanted to but he decided to resign uh grover cleveland uh and then warren g harding and calvin coolidge so i mean it hasn't happened since you know 19 28 yeah an american politician moved to limit their own power it's literally been since 1928 and i mean i know real people i live in a very blue area in northwest ohio and i know real people democrats friends of mine that are walking around right now as we speak wearing two masks in in real life like these are real adults i know i know a person in their 40s who she is wearing two masks on her face right now like the stockholm syndrome is real man yeah, I just and it's don't. Not... It, it, I don't know. Like when? When? When are people going to say no mas? Because this yeah. isn't over. This will never end until the American people say no mas. Exactly. And, and listen, the way I think about it, I, I think in a lot of ways is, we need to move to a point where whatever Fauci or someone else is from the CDC's pronouncements are on this thing, are just as willing, like that Americans are just as willing to ignore those as anything else. Yeah. Right. Neither you or I are going to look up the CDC recommendation for the temperature we have to cook steak to before we eat it. No, I'm not like if I open up a beer, I'm not thinking to myself, well, you know, the CDC says I can only have one of these, but football's on today. So what do I do? Like people don't actually live that way. And so for right now, for in some cases, I think pretty good reason. But for a long time, we have lived in a way that is very different from that, where people have been watching closely what the CDC says. As soon as this vaccine 
gets into the arms of most Americans, it doesn't make any sense to me that we wouldn't very, very quickly snap back to a world where we can all pretty comfortably ignore what the CDC has to says has to say about a lot of different topics. Because, and Fauci even said this the other day, it's not his incentive to balance our lives, right? Like he says, I want to, I want us to take steps to reduce the risk to basically zero. I don't. You don't. Real people don't want to do that. That's we not reality. Have cars. That's we not reality. Have airplanes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like if we did that, we would all be we would all be cloistered shut-ins, right? We would all be bubble boys, and that's not how people have any interest in living. I think, I think we really need to start getting back to that kind of that that trade-off weighing when it comes to the way we live our lives. I don't know. Do some people want to live that way? I, I'm starting to get the feeling that they do. I think a lot yeah. of people on the left want to be slaves of the state. They really want yeah. the state to run their lives. They want to be told when they can leave their house or not. I think a lot of people are have grown comfortable with that, you know? Yeah. Like, and things— Yeah, because it carries, like, right? Like, once upon a time, you'd be unreasonable if you told your work you couldn't come in because driving is too unsafe. Now, particularly if you're a teacher, you can say, uh, I can't possibly do this. I can't go into my office. The world is too unsafe for me. And the way the human brain works—the way the human brain works evolutionarily is you're—, you're the goalposts of what's normal shifts rapidly. And right. that comes from, you know, our hunter-gatherer roots, right? Like if you, yep. if your wife gets killed by a jaguar, you have to be able to yeah. adjust your new normal pretty quick. Okay? If yeah. you're, you know, if a, a bear rips your arm off, you, your brain has to adjust pretty fast and adjust yeah. to your new normal. And that, that's kind of in the human brain. And the government, the state knows that. Right. Okay? They know that especially people of the political left but not, not all not always but uh, you know a lot of people are, are prone to statism they're, they're prone to uh, worship of government and the state knows that so yeah. I don't know man I I'm getting more and more like like you and I did our, our year in review episode and my mistake of the year was that I thought that people would just say no to yeah. all these ridiculous policies <laughs> right. in like April you know what I mean and I was dead wrong and I don't know man I think I mean look I I think what people need to do and I think uh, state legislators can do this. Uh, need to start moving to do this to limit their governor's powers moving forward. Is we need to opt yep. out of the next one. Like I'm right yeah. now, I'm opting That's out of the point. next pandemic. Like the next pandemic, I won't be participating in. Like I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna wear a mask. I'm not gonna hide in my house. Like I'm just not going to the next time. And yeah. I think the American people need to say that. Like, fine, you had your fun. We we did this whole, you know, dictatorial communist experiment. I didn't right. like it, so I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> next yeah. time. And, and I think I these think... these Republican state legislatures, I forget, I think there's 18 states with a unified Republican legislatures, 18 that or 19. Right. And uh, they need to start passing laws, you know, veto-proof majorities that say, hey, if, if you're a governor that tries to shut down the state economy, you're immediately removed from office. Yeah. Okay, uh, like agreed. to say, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do this ever again, or you'll yeah. be at the very least removed from office, at the most, you know, imprisoned for yeah. trying to destroy people's lives. Yeah, and I think I think part of that, that I, I agree, and I think that the way we get there is we need a real thorough accounting of what worked and what didn't work during the pandemic, right? And I think one of the reasons there's that, that we that it would be problematic to even try that right now is a lot of people genuinely believe that lockdowns worked, that they were effective. I'm not convinced. They did not. I think a lot of Americans aren't convinced that that's true. And so I think there's we've got to hit a point where it's very put up or shut up, and that's individual states saying, okay. Here's what we did. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't work. And here's what actually drove deaths, right? Like, you know, I and I think a lot of other people have been really hung up on what happened in nursing homes in New York. And one of the big reasons behind that is when we look at the drivers of death, 
it's nursing homes, right? That the people who died during this pandemic were disproportionately people over the age of 50. Yes. And that young people overwhelmingly were not negatively impacted by this pandemic the way that the, the way that older folks were. And it's not it's not particularly close. And so what we need to do is say, okay, like how can we continue living? Because the other the other end of the spectrum is we have to have an accounting of how bad this stuff was. We gotta understand how from a mental health perspective, from a physical health perspective, from a social perspective, from a cultural perspective, all the consequences and damages of lockdown, all of these bad things that we have all suffered as a result of trying to tend to this virus. And I think if we if we weigh those up side by side, it's gonna be pretty obvious to most people that it didn't actually work. I don't even think we're gonna know the full scope of what yeah. we've done, especially on the in, in terms of mental health to I this country right. for 10 years. I mean, I think yeah. it's going to be talking about the suicide rate, talking about things like depression and anxiety, things like that. Yeah. I think we're going to be uncovering layers of this for a long, long time, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, I think you're right. And listen, like, just look at like what we know now about educational impairment. Right. And that and the long term consequences when kids aren't in school for a sustained period of time, not just to their ability to graduate, go to college or whatever, but in terms of their likelihood of getting incarcerated, their likelihood yeah. of dependent of developing a drug addiction, yeah. their mental health consequences, their physical health consequences. They die faster. People die faster when they are not in schools. And until we have something close to an accounting for all of those different things and then look at how many lives maybe best case, perhaps lockdown saved and weigh those against all those other things, then I think it's going to be really hard to be able to say pretty definitively, oh, this was an enormous mistake. But I think that once we have that accounting, it's going to be really, really clear that this was, in fact, a huge and in retro, like a huge mistake and that it would be inconceivable to even consider making it again. So you're expecting an authoritarian state to investigate the authoritarian <laughs> state honestly and report back to the people? This is... Um, <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, that'd put be it great. that way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't pretend that I'm confident, but I think this is why, like, people, like people, particularly on the right, because I think we're more clear-eyed about this stuff. Like, we got to raise hell. Yeah. We got to raise hell in all of these things. Yeah. We've got to put pressure on Republican legislators and Republican governors to do that accounting process. Yeah. Because listen, is Cuomo ever going to give a good accounting? No, of course not. Not until the guy's in jail are we going to get anything close to a reasonable accounting of, yeah. of of his ills and his sins. But could we get like? I don't know, maybe a Texas or a North Dakota or a South Dakota to be able to start running these numbers and have it be pretty convincing. I, I'm, I'm sympathetic that maybe. And I think that those sorts of things could gain traction and, and gain traction pretty quickly and that it would have to be bottom up, but that that could bubble up to real change. Yeah. And see, I'm I, an optimist, Brady. You know that. <laughs> I know you are. That's why I love you, buddy. But um, <laughs> yeah, I um, it's, it's funny. Like, you know, I, I mentioned Rand Paul's litmus test for if he's going to vote to confirm somebody is do they think the war in Iraq was a mistake? I mean, I from time to time, I'll interview candidates uh, on this podcast and uh, mm. I'll endorse. I don't endorse many candidates. I'll endorse sure. you know, four or five, six, maybe per election cycle, because I just don't really like I, I don't want that to be what the show is about. But yeah. Oh, totally. My, I mean, honestly, my litmus test going forward um, is going to be about these lockdowns and about covid policy. Do you do you support lockdowns? Do you believe any elected official should have the authority to shut down businesses? And if their answer is yes, then I will do anything I can do to defeat them. Yeah. Because that is my litmus test. That's why I would not vote for Greg Abbott for president. I used to think yeah. he was one of the best governors in the country. I would not vote for him. He shut Texas down. You know? And that's what why if we he both says, "Hey, I made a big mistake." Maybe. If yes, yes, and does yeah. 
Yeah. And I wonder if that's yeah. I wonder if that's where the pressure goes, right? Particularly from like the grassroots of the of the conservative movement. Yeah. I wonder if it's pressuring governors like him and DeWine and others to really look at the facts and saying, Hey man, you screwed up. Um, and if you want if you want a part on this team and like a, a leading role moving forward, let me tell you, you got to at least come to terms with that. I know you have a hard out in three minutes, so I'm going to let you go in just a second. But I have to tell you and the audience what the left is doing with covid. Right. My governor, Mike DeWine, Republican, he uh, he let this doctor, Amy Acton, um, the head of like Ohio's health department, convince him to shut down the state and impose literal curfews, shut down all mm-hmm. the businesses, lock us down hard. Now she uh, left the administration and she's running. Uh, for Senate, for Rob Portman's empty seat as as a Democrat. Go figure. Yep. And she's running as, <laughs> I convinced Mike DeWine to do these things, but he didn't go far enough, and I'd lock you down even harder. God. That's that's the left's game, man. That's what they're doing. It is some wicked, wicked politics, Drew. It's bad. Yeah. But, and people right, are scared. I'm worried it'll work. Scared. Yeah. So I know you got to go, and I got to let you go, and uh, I'm keeping you over time, as I always do. But <laughs> where can everybody <laughs> follow you online, read your stuff, keep in touch, give us all the plugs? Absolutely. Yep. So um, best way, unfortunately, at least for the time being, best way to find me is on Twitter, which I'm promising myself one of these days I'm going to use less, but uh, obviously hasn't happened yet. And handle is Drew Holden, H-O-L-D-E-N, 360, all one word. You can find me there. And and whatever I'm writing, I've, I've been freelancing a bit lately. Anything I'm writing is going to find its way into my Twitter feed uh, probably quite a bit, uh, more than more than anyone wants to see. So you can catch it there. Always a pleasure, my brother. Everybody follow Drew. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Thank you.